I believe that the statement around the small numbers and to suggest that it's a small number in the Labour Party, whilst that might be true, is completely unacceptable. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. What's it? Well, we know who the hard left, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard left, the 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 hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard hard left, hard left, hard left. I did want to talk some more about the Corbyn situation and, and, and ask you what you thought of it because you only heard about this earlier today, a couple of hours ago, when I told you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've not been jacked into the news too tightly, apart from occasionally checking up on the US election stuff. What was your reaction when I, I mentioned the words Corbyn has been suspended from the Labour Party? <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess my initial reaction is, like, why he's not the leader anymore, you know? It just seems pretty obviously to be an attempt to uh, just discredit the man completely and the movement and everyone who ever supported him. Just drum him out, you know? Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's certainly how I interpreted it. So... We've already given up pretty much on Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister, you know, like... <laughs> pretty much, yeah, I mean, I, I would say entirely, but yeah, I, I wish... Uh, I, I still held out a bit of hope that he might, like, <laughs> fucking coup Starmer violently with the support of not the British army, but, like, the Venezuelan <laughs> army who saved Chavez's ass in 2002 when the US tried to do a coup. <laughs> Yeah, and then other than that, it's just, it's, I can't believe it's still, they're still going on about this. Not that anti-Semitism doesn't exist in the Labour Party, but that it exists in society, and the Labour Party is part of society. They, you know, what was it, 0.3% of Labour members had been reprimanded over anti-Semitism? Yeah, I mean, that's what the poll, I think the one instance of polling on maybe this uh, particular specific question, like how many members of Labour do you think have been accused of anti-Semitism or disciplined for it? That was what it said, that people on average thought that around a third of Labour members had been disciplined for anti-Semitism. But as you say, the reality is more like 0.3. Which, I mean... 0.3% uh, of the population, of any population, is probably anti-Semitic, except for maybe a population actively in a synagogue right now. <laughs> yeah. 0.3% <laughs> um, of the Labour Party is probably flat earthers, you know? Like... <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's that, that's true, really. And it, it's probably more... the same zero point three percent. Let's be very clear about what Jeremy Corbyn said because it has been again dramatically misreported. So he said that if anybody says there's no anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, you are wrong. He said that again and again and again. No, he said that the also... scale of the problem oh, oh, please, was dramatically please, overstated. Please allow me to just finish quickly. And he says you know, that you are also part of the problem. He also said that the scale of um, the issue has been overstated, quoting a poll from 2019 from Servation, which found that the general public thought that a full third of Labour Party members had been accused of anti-Semitism. Now, that would be 200,000 people accused of anti-Semitism. The actual figure is less than 2,000, so less than 0.3%. The point of saying that is twofold. Firstly, it is to reassure that, this, that, it, that, that there aren't this army of hundreds of thousands of anti-Semites stalking the Labour Party, because that would be absolutely terrifying. And also, secondly, to bring the membership with the whole party, with the uh, what Jeremy said, with what Keir said about implementing the recommendations of the EHRC in full and swiftly. And to do that, you need to make the point that part of the, uh, the reporting on this issue has given a false representation of how big uh, this is in terms of the scale, in terms of the number of members involved. Now, that does not in any way, in any way, deny that there is a problem at all. There is a real problem. That's why this report was there. It's also why there were substantial reforms that took place under Jeremy Corbyn, and especially when um, he had uh, Jenny Formby's general secretary from 2018 onwards. Nobody says, and nobody should, you know, nobody in the Labour Party, and nobody should be saying that this isn't a real issue, and nobody should be saying that there is no anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, because that would be absurd. How, it's also equally absurd to say that the issue has not been become overstated in the public imagination if uh, if the public thinks that a third of Labour Party members have been yes. accused of anti-Semitism. But, but... <laughs> I mean, the standard kind of rebuttal is, OK, you can say that the scale... And geez, I was just thinking, like, yeah, back, as I mentioned to you in our messages, back in sixth form, I knew a couple people who, like, their families were, like labor through and through and they themselves always espouse labor opinions although of course they couldn't vote yet but they were i knew like literally two people in sixth form who were like that and were also anti-semitic and yeah this was before Mil ed Miliband actually this was when it was to not uh, gordon, brown. gordon brown gordon brown versus david cameron so anti-Semitism totally exists in the Labour Party, but it's always been there and we should work to get rid of it. But this didn't start under Jeremy Corbyn by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, we can get more into, into that. But like the standard line is that it's obviously a certain kind of basically anti-imperialist left wing politics that is what leads to anti-Semitism. Like it's always the Labour left that's portrayed as having a problem because essentially they view I, this is the line that people say that the anti-semites on the labor left view jewish people as basically another oppressor rather than the oppressed <laughs> because of the israel-palestine relation and the which fact is that... so yeah ridiculous because obviously some jewish people are oppressive and others are oppressed just like some of any population yeah i don't think that line's necessarily true but i was going to say with these people you knew well they... not, not some of any pop but you know some of any like broad demographic i mean these anti-semitic people you knew who were 
Labour supporters? Did they seem like, you know, anti-imperialists for you, all about Cuba solidarity, Palestine? Hell no. These were, <laughs> they were maybe not quite Blairites, but pretty fucking close to the Blairite wing. They did not have any radical opinions about Venezuela or Cuba or anything, really. Just general, maybe the NHS should be better and Tories are shit. Yeah, exactly. It, at worst, it was very, they were anti-wealth. But that plays into the Jewish stereotype of them as wealthy people, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that that's another part of the Jews being a, a, an oppressor idea. But I think certain people on the left do have. Like, I've encountered people like that. Yeah. But actually, it was before I joined the Labour Party, and this guy certainly wasn't a Labour member. But someone I knew, you know, came out with a lot of views about how, uh, a lot of dodgy things, you know, conspiratorial anti-Semitic views that you and I have satirised in a sketch we wrote, like, <laughs> this guy told me that all the jews got the day off from a world trade center on, 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 on <laughs> oh, 9, yeah. 9 11 this is something that was seriously said and this guy did consider himself a socialist and was in favor of cuba solidarity but then you know he also thought that like russia today was left wing and so on. Right. And, and it's true that russia today has uh, provided a platform for dissenting voices including those on the left in britain but you know you can't seriously think that it's left wing it's like, kind of more anti-western or something yeah it's just it's just occasionally about, is left wing it's about being a difficult bastard you know it's like <laughs> putin's putin's non-linear warfare kind of foreign policy like <laughs> it's not real it's not anti-imperialist of the and of the left really but you know it's certainly opposed to like the western status quo but you know that that's kind of beside the point but yeah that guy was not like a labor man like he, proud, yeah. he proudly boasted of how his parents had been kicked out of Labour by Harriet Harman for being too left-wing. You know, it's, this, is, this was someone who was telling me this stuff in, like, you know, 2013, 14, long before Corbyn ever became oh, leader. Yeah. So the idea that Corbyn, like, kind of created a lot of these views is nonsense. But furthermore, like, I think that the idea that people with these views flooded into the party when Corbyn became leader is also <laughs> quite flawed because... The fact is, people full stop flooded into the party when Corbyn became leader. It doubled in membership, more than that. And in addition to that, there were plenty of cases of Labour members being anti-Semitic under Ed Miliband, and under Gordon Brown, under Tony Blair, and under various previous leaderships. And indeed, most of the early anti-Semitism stories of the Corbyn era that ran in the media were related to disciplinary cases from when Ed Miliband, who obviously himself was Jewish, was leader. What changed was the level of scrutiny that was being applied to Labour members and what they were saying, and to people who held no kind of political office as well. This is a key point, you know. Mm. You didn't have to find someone in Corbyn's shadow cabinet who'd said something anti-Semitic. You could literally just find any ostensibly Labour or Corbyn-supporting person online. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Damn it, I had a thought and it just... I'm so, I'm so sorry for doing that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it was hate, something you I said I had a thought about, but it's just... Oh, yeah, I was thinking I was just going to point out that, yeah, of course, you can find all these examples of anti-Semitism recently and not so recently because, uh, surprise, surprise, liberals, we haven't actually defeated racism. It's still very real. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And like, I think as you pointed out in messages, like, what about all the other forms of bigotry, both within and without the Labour Party? You know, like, it, it exists so pervasively in society, this is, which is what we're trying to say, which is what we're trying to fix, is that 
pervasiveness of these horrible, you know, uh, transphobia is so big in the Labour Party under these fucking Blairite types, you know? Yeah, um, totally. And a problem uh, on the left too, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of people who are ostensibly left-wing, but otherwise are not accepting of trans and other LGBT people. You know? And this is a question I wanted to put to you as a Jewish person, actually. Do you feel that saying anti-Semitism and all other forms of racism, or even making the argument that you've just made, so I was pre- I'm going to presume the answer to this question <laughs> will be no, but but kind of making the argument that why is there not a parity of treatment with other forms of racism and prejudice, you don't feel that that's a kind of all lives matter type argument that distract no from the, the issue. um because it's talking about specific other groups all lives matter is supposed to be this stupid like uh we're, we're all people and we all suffer kind of at least that's my interpretation of it yeah whereas yeah pointing out that other groups suffer is entirely different especially when we're talking about oppressed groups rather than oh white people yeah exactly we know that all lives matter actually just means white lives matter yeah but but what (laughs) this argument is is black lives matter it is the travelers who have been given you know a pretty shoddy treatment under the current labor leadership with toby perkins who's made many bigoted comments about travelers being appointed to the shadow cabinet we're saying their lives matter and that's obviously the group that was the second greatest victim of the holocaust yeah Um, yeah absolutely people forget that all the time that they were amongst the first groups who were actually systematically killed it's really brutal yeah i mean i do think that it discredits for example a longtime friend of the show the mp jess phillips who's obviously very vocal on labor anti-semitism that in the past she has tweeted that she's just calling the police about a traveler camp that's been set up in her constituency and you know i think that does uh, discredit what she says Mm. somewhat and again the point we're making is not that people care about anti-semitism but they don't care about these other forms of prejudice because a lot of the people making these arguments don't care about anti-semitism and are just using it for their own political ends well yeah it's basically not so much don't take care of the anti-semitism problem it's more where would you go to catch a fish would you go to a desert you you should go to where the problem is biggest not that all problems should be like anti-semitism we need to educate people in schools by treating anti-semitism as a labor problem that just excuses everybody else that's like well i'm not in labor so i can't be anti-semitic almost you know it lets the tory party off especially as the famously anti-semitic party But, nah, they don't count, because I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This whole debate must be slightly surreal for you, being outside of the UK. I find Yeah, over here, anti-Semitism is pretty, like... I don't think anybody would deny that that's more of, like, a Republican thing than a Democrat thing. And I find (laughs) that American leftists, Jewish and otherwise, seem very kind of perplexed about the whole... Corbyn is anti-Semitic idea or the wider Labour anti-Semitism idea and some of them are especially truculent about it in a way that people on the British left have not been. I mean Felix Biederman from Chapo just outright ridicules (laughs) people who's Jewish himself if you didn't get the name Biederman (laughs) but he really outright ridicules a lot of people who make these accusations in a way that if he was British there's no way he would get away with Um, (laughs) recently the Democratic Socialists of America did a 
tweet of solidarity with Jeremy Corbyn and British anti-anti-Semitism campaigners started saying that Labour needs to kick out the democratic socialists of America. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it must be strange to you because there's such a particular context to the whole debate over anti-Semitism in Britain that doesn't really seem to be the same in any other country. Yeah, I really, I can understand why different political actors are, you know, it's convenient to use these tools, these these tropes and stuff, but like, I don't, I, I just, I can't, I don't know. It's so inexplicable how that particular issue of anti-Semitism has just become so strongly associated with the party, arguably the most opposed to all forms of racism. I think the well, issue... Not arguably, yeah. I well, I think they are, they've, under Corbyn, they most likely were the best party in that regard. But they haven't really always historically been an anti-racist party, Labour. That's a big thing, is that people launder the reputation of past Labour leaderships by talking about how the Corbyn leadership was this uniquely morally compromised one. Because, like, you know, this is the party that raised Iraq to the ground. This is the yeah. party that supported famines, <laughs> orchestrated yeah, famines, yeah. starved people under Clement Attlee, the hero of the kind of <laughs> uh, social democratic Labour loyalists. This is a party that has consistently actually supported racist policies and imperial violence, with exceptions, and it's true in government, Labour passed some good equalities legislation and also set up the the Equality and Human Rights Commission, thanks for that, Labour. That's the organisation, Equalities and Human Rights, rather. That's the organisation that just investigated Labour. And so I guess on the comments that Corbyn was suspended for, do you think that he should not have said in his response that the media dramatically overstated the levels of anti-Semitism in the party. I mean, that's undeniable. If that same report that was essentially responsible for kicking Corbyn out is to be... Well, no, that wasn't from the report. What Was that poll? Where was that poll from with the 30% of people? Oh, just <laughs> one of the Melt British poll companies did it okay. in, in 2019, well, I think. But if there's any, yeah, if there's any truth to that poll, then clearly there's been a... What would that factor be? About 100 times uh, yeah. <laughs> more belief in Labour's anti-Semitism than reality? Which, yeah, Labour's got problems. It's it, Like you just said, it's, Labour's always got these problems, and the goal is to fix them not to i don't know uh labor seems to be i mean like okay it's now under kia stammer and all that but labor under corbin was very self-aware and was very trying to correct its flaws i feel whereas what have the tories done to get rid of racism in their party what has any of the other parties done to get rid of bigotry in their party you know instead they're all just pointing at labor being like you fix your problems get your shit together yeah like just glass houses you know it's quite funny seeing michael gove telling labor i think michael gove was uh, i think saeed Obasi, the senior conservative peer who well she's not been that senior for years because they won't give her a job because she always criticizes the islamophobia and the tory party but uh, <laughs> she said that michael gove 
has such radical anti-Muslim beliefs that he effectively radicalized David Cameron to a far-right position <laughs> on Muslims. Uh, and wow. you know, he, Michael Gove is, uh, you know, he's one of the intellectuals yeah. of the right. He, he writes a lot of stuff, <laughs> and you can read what he's said, and he does hold extreme anti-Muslim positions. So, I mean, you're absolutely right that A, there are numerous other forms of prejudice and racism that are an equally serious problem in the Labour Party. And then once you get outside the Labour Party, the sheer inhumanity of racist conservative policies, and these are not a poorly run disciplinary process, although they do also have one of those. This is a actual concrete policy of conservative government to (laughs) deport black Britons who uh, many of whom came to this country in the 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 mid 20th century there's no no reason to deport them they're not recent immigrants by even liberal standards no they're people who built this fucking country you know in the last few decades and the conservatives i mean sorry that makes them sound like uh, that's a bad thing really but (laughs) no not that they were responsible for the terrible uh shit show in which we currently live yeah they they, they built the buildings and actual cultural heritage and yeah stuff. they yeah. built this country in the in the sense that bruce springsteen <laughs> would sing in one of his pro-immigrant songs like the, yeah. and the tories just deported a load of them why because they're black like there was nothing comparable that the labor party was ever right do. i'd love to know when in the same time frame the labor party passed a law deporting all the jewish people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is preposterous to think that racism uh although Yes, they're on a superficial level. They're both two senior politicians who are women of colour. It is just preposterous to think that anti-racism scored a great victory when Pretty Patel became Shadow Home Secretary instead of Diane Abbott. I mean, mm. Diane Abbott would have been the most radical anti-racist Home Secretary that Britain had ever had. Labour had policies that would actively benefit jewish people yeah not, and, not... I, and i mean oh my god the disgusting rhetoric around diane abbott as well just so cruel including by senior labor staffers in the leaked labor report none of whom have been suspended from the party <laughs> right yeah that 800 page report came out earlier this year and it showed active undermining by officials on the labor right who worked at labor's hq of the party going into the 2017 election that hindered the the ability of the party to win that election. These were people who actively did not want the party to win. And at the same time, they were fighting another front, which was allegedly deliberately slacking on addressing cases of anti-Semitism. So it Mm. reflected badly on the leadership. I mean, I think there's evidence for that, but I'll say allegedly just to be on the safe side but you know the labor party which was advised by its lawyers could win a case against some of these very same staffers who sued the party over its response to a shitty dishonest panorama documentary where these people alleged that the leadership had been running the party in an institutionally anti-semitic manner the party said in response that these people were disgruntled ex-staffers who were politically motivated which was true it said but their allegations didn't hold up which is also true all subsequently released documentary evidence makes that absolutely clear that this documentary and these people's testimonies do not hold up the labor party 
against the advice of its lawyers, under Keir Starmer, paid each of these people massive fucking sums. Like, of they, course. They didn't go to court. So basically, they paid these people who had sabotaged not just the 2017 general election, but by extension, through their poor handling of anti-Semitism, the 2019 general election for Labour, they paid off these turncoats, these stool pigeons, to an extraordinary degree, basically to allow the idea that under Corbyn, Labour represented, and I quote, an existential threat to Jewish life, to continue to flourish. And the left-wing Jewish group, Judas, I thought put it very well when they defended Corbyn's defence of not just his own record, but of the party membership of you and I, by saying, Jewish Labour members were called capos while door-knocking on polling day. Allowing Jews to fully participate in the Labour Party requires dispelling the nonsense about Labour organising pogroms. Right. They said in their previous tweet, one of the consistent features of the experiences of Jewish Labour members is the hostility faced when being active in the Jewish community. Jews of all stripes have been accused of betrayal and worse at Kiddush. Correcting the record is a matter of Jewish welfare. Yeah, I agree. Does it make you feel safer as a Jewish person that the idea that this political leader was going to actively persecute your community is a widespread view no no it doesn't and if i can just go back a tiny bit to that question you asked about all lives matter as we all aware all lives matter it's a phrase it's a distraction it's used to be like well let's not talk about how black lives matter let's all lives matter you know i feel like this obsession with anti-semitism in the labor party is almost some kind of inversion of that where Rather than using all lives matter to distract from other issues, it's more like let's completely and totally focus narrowly on anti-Semitism and our specific definition of anti-Semitism to the expense of ignoring all other issues. That's my personal take, and you don't have to agree with that. It could be problematic, but as a Jewish person, that's just the way that I've always felt about this, is it's not being used sincerely to talk about real anti-Semitism that really exists in the Labour Party. It's just used as, like you sort of said before, like just a political tool and just as a distraction from other real issues, including anti-Semitism itself. Yeah, and do you feel like Jewish people actually benefit from the way in which this debate is conducted at all? No, no, not at all, because, I mean, I practically, one of the main reasons I got hounded off of Twitter was just getting sick of being called either a self-hating Jew or, like, a fake Jew. Literally, people would think I was, like, a fucking troll making up that I'm Jewish because I don't agree with what they're, it's it's a stereotype. They're creating a new stereotype of what a Jew should be, and if you don't fit into that stereotype, then you're not a real Jew. Well, this is what I really worry, is is about, like, the marginalization of left-wing Jews like yourself. But I think it's a bit different in the United States, where thankfully, well, thankfully in some regards, uh, <laughs> where you reside. Like, because obviously most American Jews are either liberal or, you know, actively on the left. Obviously there is kind of the, the APAC style extreme right-wing support of Israel, but most of them are oh, sure. e- evangelical Christians. <laughs> so so, it, so yeah. it's, it, it's completely different over there. 
So thankfully, because you're in America, I don't think that you're as in danger of being marginalised as a left-wing Jewish voice, you know, as a part of yeah, your community. Yeah, it's kind of assumed, almost, <laughs> which is also left. problematic in a way, but that's a, neither here nor there. Yeah, and I mean, there are, you know, obviously it's harder to hit Bernie Sanders with the stuff because he's Jewish. He, <laughs> right. he, he made some criticisms about Israel recently that the right and shitty liberals and stuff have been wringing yeah. their hands over. I just don't think it's um, it, it's as effective. But yeah, that's really what I worry is that over in Britain, people who hold your views, which where you are, are you know, not mainstream obviously because you're on the far left but i mean but but (laughs) reasonably reasonably so are basically considered outsiders and to some extent not even considered jews even within their own community to some extent yeah i mean i know i personally have struggled with at times this very real feeling of having to choose between my identity as a leftist and my identity as a jew not so much other leftists making me feel left out for being a jew (laughs) as it is other jews making me feel left out for being a leftist but that's my personal experience and i don't know if that matches with everybody's but this is really what I wanted to get into, because, like, for two reasons. Firstly, because there's such a specific context to the debate in the UK, but as someone who knows a fair bit about UK politics, but maybe doesn't follow it as closely, and is that currently outside of the UK, I wanted to get your perspective as kind of a left, a, 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 an international leftist, but also, oh, well, no, that sounds like an anti-Semitic conspiracy. Cultural Marxism. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, but, but, also, but also as a Jew, because like me, me and Geraint talked last night in an episode. I obviously haven't got around to editing yet. And hey, we're just recording a new one. Fuck yeah. But we talked you know, a lot about like the sheer indignity and what a horrible kind of ritual humiliation of Corbyn this is. There's no, yeah. th- there's no chance that his opponents are going to let him go quietly into the night just gonna keep hitting him harder and harder they need to blemish his name in the history books you know yeah yeah i mean they're hounding his wife now as well Um, (sighs) it's really horrible disgraceful yeah actually let me just quote corbin's wife laura alvarez oh yeah here it is it's in all caps Please boycott the poison mainstream media and stand with the best international leader and anti-racist activist Oh, but hang on, no, she did the same thing, she tweeted the same thing, just added, check facts! (laughs) Fake (laughs) Um, news! I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, hell yeah. I also, I wanted to get in how you feel, because obviously this whole debate has been so damaging to support for Palestinian rights, at least in the UK, and um, I, I wanted to get into how, as a Jewish person who's critical of Israel, you feel of, say, so when Corbyn's wife, Lara Alvarez, posted, thank you for all your solidarity and support for Jeremy and hundreds of beautiful messages and flowers. I never thought how hard it would be to fight against the establishment, but we will continue fighting for a justice and peaceful world. She's Mexican, English mm. in her first language, but, you know, not that she's bad sure, at English yeah. or anything. I can't speak No, that, that sounded well. fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> right. She posted a picture of some of the flowers that they'd received. And John Stevens, who's this cunt from the Daily Mail, who literally, it's the same guy who ran that hit piece on us. The, like, yeah. the, ed- the, ed- the editor who was the head honcho for the whole thing. Who was Big in fan my, of the show. Yeah, in my DMs fucking just being just an absolute shithouse but he posted that 
and tweeted, oh, you could make a nice mural from all of these flowers. Now, are you familiar with the Corbyn mural scandal? Had you been hounded oh, on Twitter? I, that sounds really familiar, but you're going to have to remind me, I think. The Daily Mail, the famous, uh, you know, the, ha- the house publication of anti-racism in the UK, the Daily Mail, ran a front-page headline that Corbyn had quote-unquote laid a wreath for terrorists at a memorial service. I think they alleged that the terrorists in question had done the Munich attack. Where um, Yeah, I remember this now, yeah, yeah. A Palestinian terrorist killed the Israeli football team or something, didn't they? Uh, yeah, there was a group, wasn't there? Yeah. Olympic team, I think it was. It, it was um, Olympics, yeah. Didn't yeah. that's the one Spielberg did a movie about? That wasn't is it? indeed. I thought yeah. I might be trivializing such a serious <laughs> issue by saying, you know, the one Spielberg did a film about. <laughs> but Maybe. yes, yes, you're right. That is exactly the one. But that's a total mischaracterization of what happened, as you might expect from the Daily Mail, as someone <laughs> with first-hand experience of their attitude to reporting the facts accurately. <laughs> yeah. It was a memorial service commemorating. The 1985 bombing of the PLO headquarters by the State of Israel. Right. So it also happened in the 80s, and that's about all it's in common. Uh... <laughs> so, so I mean, there's a few things to bear in mind. So the IDF had... Uh, sorry, not the IDF. The IDF had indeed been acknowledged as a legitimate organization by then, but <laughs> yeah. for, for a long time. But the, the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, had not. That changed in 1993. But even at the time, the Israeli Air Force's bombing of the PLO headquarters in Tunisia, which was where Corbyn was laying the reef in question, was seen as a pretty terrible crime. The UN Security Council passed a resolution condemning it as a flagrant violation of the UN Charter. And even the United... It sure United, sounds like it, yeah. The United States, obviously then headed by Ronald Reagan, um, <laughs> abstained on the vote uh, at the US Security Council. However... Although they initially labelled the strike a legitimate response to terror, the Reagan administration later said the attack cannot be condoned. Hmm. So there we go. Even reluctantly and (laughs) um, pathetically condemned by the Reagan administration. And of course an abstention, I'm sure, amounted to allowing it to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like when Keir Starmer abstains on bills that would allow spies to rape and murder British (laughs) citizens, that that allowed for Tories to pass that. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know why they're so unspecific about how many people died there, but it says on Wikipedia between 47 and 71 people killed. Um, Mm. So this was a horrendous crime. And then obviously in 1993, the PLO were internationally recognised as a legitimate political organisation. And there were maybe, I think, I think there were two people there who were accused of involvement in terrorist acts. I I, I would say that the majority of those, uh, you know, up to 71 people maybe maybe didn't have their deaths coming in such a brutal, widely condemned crime. But it's all fun and games for the British media, you know. Ha ha ha, reefs. What a bunch of 71 convicted terrorists 
You know, that as, far, <laughs> right. as far as the British media concerned, 71 convicted terrorists were justly killed in a brutal fashion by the democratic state of Israel, you know, and Jeremy Corbyn is guilty of racism by commemorating this obscene crime i think it turned out there were also like tory mps with him at the memorial (laughs) (laughs) so widely was this recognized as a crime but that obviously didn't (laughs) make it into a mail article Uh, (laughs) corbyn was the only one there (laughs) he was a one-man ceremony but i mean you've been pretty clear your jewish identity is not inseparable from israel you've been to israel you've yeah you you are a, a technically no longer a draft dodger (laughs) but at the same time how does it feel to you to have such anti-racist stalwarts as the daily mail claiming that (laughs) these horrible crimes are in your name which is you know obviously an anti-semitic trope in in itself but you know (laughs) the idea that to think that this was a terrible crime is anti-jewish racism i imagine you got some issues with that yeah (laughs) to say the (laughs) least it is definitely problematic to think that israel speaks for the jewish community of the world like that 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 just is playing directly into uh you know the international jew and having our fingers in many different pies it's directly conspiratorial and the israeli state does not represent me in any level other than i am technically a citizen (laughs) which i mean the only reason i haven't renounced that is pretty much just uh having family that lives there not family i particularly agree with but family nonetheless (laughs) (laughs) obviously there's this simultaneous mantra that goes on that like accusations that somebody like jeremy corbyn is anti-semitic are not about israel bringing israel into it is in itself an anti-semitic trope but so many of the examples of his supposed anti-semitism not just corbyn's but of left anti-semitism and so on do just circle back to somebody's views on israel (laughs) pretty much right yeah like unfortunately it has certainly become an inseparable component of the jewish identity it's always there in the back our holidays are celebrated differently many of them are celebrated differently whether you're in israel or not some are celebrated they're generally a day longer in israel or is it the other way around i can't I'm such a <laughs> I'm such a non-practicing Jew. It's been a while, but my point is that it is like at least the concept of Israel, whether as a state or a notion, is very embedded in Judaism itself as a religion. And then with the way the 20th century went so horribly, like it just it, there's no way it wasn't going to continue to be. And yeah, you pretty much as a jew you do pretty much have to have an answer in your pocket for what you think about israel like at all times you know somebody might ask you i'm not sure exactly where i'm going with that but <laughs> no i like... mean it's a horrible amount of responsibility to put on someone it's isn't it yeah kind of say so what do you say about netanyahu's latest crime yeah, i'm sorry right. if i've done that in any way by the way i'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick your brain on this I, we do I, a podcast so we can talk about these things this is the correct place for you to ask those questions you know uh, <laughs> yeah I, I you know i just am worried about this stuff because you know uh jeremy corbyn's been kicked out of the labor part you know this kind of over this stuff pretty much yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah completely and it is just the traditional hypocrisy of the right just oh you can't talk about israel when it's convenient for you but we'll bring it up and be like look 
Corbin doesn't like Israel completely, so he wants to kill all the Jews. What do you make of the idea that people like Corbin and many of Israel's more vociferous critics hold Israel to a different standard to other countries. Maybe some of them do, especially if they're like maybe slightly leaning towards the center as well as, you know, uh, but Corbyn himself and other radical leftists, like far leftists, I think they're just holding Israel to the exact same standards that they hold every other country to. And it's just that there isn't a religion that's tied to the United States imperialism. Well, maybe Christianity, I guess. But there isn't officially a religion that's tied to it. So when you criticize the U.S. for doing fucking dumb bullshit over the world, then nobody can say, oh, you're being anti-Christian because there's so many other Christian countries. But we Jews, we've got one country pretty much. One country represents us, and whether accurate or not, it is going to affect people's, like, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's like, I think that Israel's imperial war against Palestine, its occupation, illegal occupation, its treatment of Palestinian civilians, the way they bomb them, I think that's all awful. The U.S. does 90% of those same things, and I yeah, think that's, that's just awful as well. Like, <laughs> I yeah, think they're that... equally awful. That's the thing. I guess people have their focus as activists, but there are some people on the left who are kind of like single-minded Palestine obsessives, and, you know, some of them do lean into anti-Semitism. The thing is, you absolutely cannot say this about Jeremy Corbyn. He's not singularly obsessed (laughs) with Palestine. If anything, he's more obsessed with Latin America. He's expressed solidarity to just about every oppressed group in every continent around the world, including (laughs) oppressed Jewish people many times. So it's an argument that i think doesn't apply to the specific individual it's most applied to even though it does maybe to some like chris williamson for example who was suspended as a labor mp for his kind of lack of sensitivity on anti-semitism he is someone who never displayed particularly strong anti-imperialist instincts before the corbyn anti-semitism and stuff and then suddenly became the clarion of palestinian rights in a way that seemed a little suspect but i just (laughs) i just think you absolutely can't say that about jeremy corbyn he's the most committed internationalist mp that the labor party has ever seen like the single most (laughs) i mean the right and the center was harshly criticizing him for being in the ira practically that you'd think (laughs) you know (laughs) so yeah he's definitely very international character they, they like to have their cake and eat it criticize him for being so focused on israel and then also being in the ira and being chavez's best mate and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 singularly focused on israel when he was over there in venezuela that was the only reason he was there in venezuela <laughs> to get to get chavez to oppose israel more because uh, <laughs> i'm sure chavez needed uh, needed to be pushed in that direction um, but, right. but yeah another thing that comes into this debate when you unfortunately, as often happens, combine the debate around Israel-Palestine and the debate around anti-Semitism, another thing that gets roped into it is BDS and the idea that, mm. that BDS, boycott, divest, sanction, is an anti-Semitic project that singles out Israel. But I have to say, like, I'm not giving the Jewish perspective on this myself, obviously, but <laughs> like... I think that's really wrong because I think it's one of the most effective non-violent campaigning tools. If you do 
believe that Israel is an apartheid state, which is obviously why you're never going to get consensus on this, because if you don't believe Israel is an apartheid state, then the argument that, well, this worked in South Africa and was a great alternative to violence mm. isn't convincing to you. Yeah. But, but that's the one I'd make, which is that if you want less war, less terrorism, even if you truly believe that the conflict between the IDF and Palestinians throwing rocks at them is like a, a people on an equal playing field, then <laughs> if we want less of that, the way that we need to do this is through economic means, yeah. essentially, and cultural means. Agreed. And I think it's actually quite interesting. I'm not sure you may be aware there is, amongst Holocaust deniers, one of their many little myths that they like to spread is that the Jews actually declared war on Hitler first because there's like a big headline from the time. That's a real headline that was like, Jews declare war. I I don't know. It might have been in the, I can't remember, New York Times or something. I don't think it was actually trying to be anti-Semitic at the time. It just says... This was in the 30s, so it was before the war, before Holocaust actually started, where the headline was, Jews declare war on Germany. And then if you actually read the article, it means that they declared economic war because, of course, they didn't even have Israel. How the hell were they declaring war in Germany? It meant they were declaring economic war because they were going to boycott German products. And that's true. Jews in the 30s absolutely boycotted German products. Why wouldn't they? You know, Uh, it's a a great little... So I just find it interesting that there is this right-wing conspiracy that somehow the Jews had it coming with the Holocaust because they boycotted Germany. And nowadays you've got this conspiracy, I will call it, that the BDS is evil because it's some kind of anti-Semitic project. It's fucking boycotting. It's... Mm. uh, Again, just the hypocrisy of the right and uh, their, 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 their like economic warfare is like, uh, just... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, econ- don't get me wrong. Economic warfare can be bad for people in the countries it targets, and, uh, which it is totally why the US in... consistently does it to its enemies. Right. <laughs> yes, completely. And it does buy into the notion similar to personal environmentalism and stuff that the individual actually has control over the world in some way which is a very capitalist and individualistic approach to changing the world but that doesn't make it necessarily a bad thing there is no ethical consumption under capitalism but that's not an excuse to go for the most unethical form of consumption so there was a documentary that aired recently in which the former labor mp joan ryan who is not herself jewish but is nonetheless for several years for chair of Labour Friends of Israel. I suppose, yeah, but you don't have to be Jewish to be yeah, a virulent especially Israel if supporter. we do want to separate Israel from Judaism as a whole. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think it's important because of the sheer forcefulness of her rhetoric <laughs> on the it, left's anti-Semitism yeah. to point out she herself is not Jewish. It could bear mentioning, yeah. And that her pro-Israel beliefs, which are clearly expressed, must be a factor in, let's charitably say, the solidarity she displays for her Jewish comrades. Although, you know, I don't necessarily interpret what she said in this documentary as particularly uh, solidaristic or comrade <laughs> Essentially, there was this moment when people at Labour conference held up Palestinian flags and she's saying, oh, this was basically a racist dog whistle. And it <laughs> kind of plays into this idea that Joan Ryan has expressed before that most pro-Palestinian sentiment is rooted in anti-Jewish sentiment. But then when, when, when you look at her own views on the matter, they're very extreme. And I guess 
as somebody who has been to Israel, has family there, and knows more about the kind of culture, is it a common idea that were Israel not to be majority Jewish, this would be a, a terrible thing and mean it wasn't Israel anymore? Because by most estimations, there are, I think, s- 7 million displaced Palestinians around the world. A million and a bit of them in refugee camps, I think, obviously, like, just outside Israel. Um, Oh, yeah. And obviously, the space in Israel-Palestine allocated to, uh, well, Palestinians is incredibly small. It's like the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And I think that's, you know, 7 million worldwide, although I'm certain that all those people would not descend upon Israel. And I think, you know, the, the, <laughs> a massive, the terrifying hordes of 7 million brown-skinned people descending on Israel does seem a little bit like a kind of paranoid far-right fantasy. Right. <laughs> but even if, you know, a few million of them were to come, say, because of what I think is correctly known as a, a right of return... Um, People like Joan Ryan maintain that Israel would no longer be Israel because it would change the ethnic composition of the country. And yeah, I was wondering if you had a better understanding of this perspective to me, I guess, because you wouldn't even be able to fit all those Palestinian people in the occupied territories anyway. So all of them coming is not an imminent likelihood, but then neither is them being granted a right of return. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, personally, I last visited Israel like over 10 years ago, so it's a little dated, but I do remember being shocked, actually, at like just how pervasive casual racism was against Palestinians. Like, there was distant relations of mine and family friends who were just talking about Palestinians the way you would see black people being talked about in a movie from the 50s. Like, mm. it's just ridiculous just like saying like oh palestinians can't drive yeah i remember you telling me about that one before yeah i just it's like it's just this level of casualness that is just really quite shocking and it definitely felt like an apartheid state then and there absolutely is this pervasive fear of the other that is especially embodied by uh, the they just um so how do I put this? I'm trying. I'm trying not to, like not that anybody I know ever listens to this podcast. But like, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, my, my my grandpa and his fucking he's got like a compound out there, uh, like literally a compound in Israel. Well, in, in on Palestinian land, of course. Christ, uh, yeah. You, you, I remember um, you saying you have actual kind of settler <laughs> colonialists in your family. Quite a few of them. I've got an aunt and uncle that live out in the territories. You get there from Jerusalem with like a fucking armored van that's got like a soldier on board. But you talk to them about the people who lived there and the people who got kicked out and stuff, and they they don't want them back. They, they, they're very, very, very afraid of the Palestinians returning. And it absolutely feels like the kind of anti-immigrant fear you get in the U.S. or the U.K. Except these people are, of course, not immigrants because they're from there originally. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's a key parallel that you've drawn between racism towards Palestinians in Israel and just general racism and anti-immigrant sentiment in the U.K. Because something that's quite worrying is that casual racism and that as you say fear of the other that is by your account prevalent in israeli society yeah um, that... it's anecdotally quite common 
Yeah, and I think there are plenty of people who would back you up on that. But I worry that maybe this has been exported to Britain with many of the same targets, which are basically Muslims and marginalised people. There has always been Mm. a subtext bringing this back to the Corbyn question, that his support for Palestinian rights and other liberation struggles around the world is him being, I mean, in the words of the former Labour MP Michael Duggar, more anti-West than anti-war, or even a kind of a split loyalty where his loyalty is not to the white race, but to people like the Palestinians, who, as we know from the tenor of British debate, (laughs) are terrorists. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess it's probably born out of a combination of a nostalgia for a misremembered past, you know, these old people thinking I was also great when they were young, not because they were young, but because there were so many people like them around. (laughs) But it's also just the fear that, well, if all these brown people come into our country, then what if they do to us what we've been doing to them? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Britain, you know, has as much or even more reason to feel that as Israel. (laughs) Right. Only like a thousand years of imperialism. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as we say, you know, plenty of appalling treatment of various marginalised people in recent years. I mean, should we maybe bring it back to the Labour context and the Corbyn issue? I mean, what does Jeremy Corbyn mean to you? Because, you know, polls bear out that the majority of British Jewish people think that he is anti-Semitic. But (laughs) what's your perspective on Corbyn. To be honest, I don't think that if you'd lived in the UK the last couple of years, you would have been convinced that Corbyn is anti-Semitic. But yeah. I highly doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what? Yeah. I guess what are your general, you know, your your general feelings about the man and what has he meant to you and to your engagement with politics? Well, the first thing that came to mind actually would be internationalism, cooperation, that kind of stuff. He very much seemed to be interested in obviously most famously venezuela talking to venezuela but marginalized people all over the planet he almost didn't feel like he was just a british leader you know Mm. and what he meant to me i only joined the labor party after he was yeah you were already in the labor party weren't you but i only joined specifically because he became leader yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I, I tried to persuade you to vote for Ed Miliband, and you were like, yeah. fuck off, vote <laughs> <Greens>. <laughs> Yeah, that's how disillusioned with Labour I was before Jeremy Corbyn was the leader. Yeah, he would have been, other than maybe some local elections, he would have been the first time that I actually voted Labour in a national general election. So... He meant hope, mostly. Hope that things could change. He talked about things that none of the other leaders were talking about positive change progressive change people like ed miliband were saying that i didn't deserve any welfare because i was under 25 at the time Mm. well (laughs) you know (laughs) um then when labor is the one saying that oh man and i cried as soon as when i heard the 2019 general election results you know i i cried when i heard that corbyn was stepping down because that meant that was that was it. I, I lost so much hope, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. What is there to hope for now in British politics? Not Sim- much. <laughs> similar fe- I, 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 I had a similar feeling as well when Biden became the official mm. candidate, and I was like, well, what is there to hope for in the U.S. politics now? Like, yeah, yeah. It seems uh, like socialism in the English-speaking world is in a bad place right now. And Yeah. 
But what you said absolutely resonates with me, and it echoes what Barnaby Rain, who's a British Jewish activist who is on the radical left, who's a Corbyn supporter, said. I think, actually, I'll quote Barnaby Rain on two separate things, because firstly, on Newsnight, he told Kirsty Walk, who was repeatedly interrupting him, I think she, Kirsty Walk, a non-Jew, interrupted the one Jewish person on her three-person panel seven times in the space of two minutes because he was defending Jeremy Corbyn. So many of, particularly younger people, who joined on the wave of the Corbyn mania that we saw a bit of there, will essentially that be a fifth column in the party, or will a lot of people leave the party? I have to say, I find it extremely telling and depressing that we are already talking about the party mechanics of the Labour Party and not about anti-Semitism. You know, I've spent years writing and talking about anti-Semitism, which is a rising problem alongside rising racism more generally, and it's been impossible to have a serious discussion on this subject. Well, let, let, You've let, just let, had on as a credible... Let's have the question. Let me ask you the question then. Was Jeremy Corbyn right to say, essentially, that this report exaggerated the problem? Was he right to say that? Well, uh, he'd actually... He didn't say that. He said that uh, he did, uh, thinks that anti-Semitism is unacceptable. He thinks that it's a presence oh, in the Labour Party. And he, thinks that people, he just didn't say that the report exaggerated the problem. He said that some people in the media have exaggerated the problem. It's clearly the case. There was a salvation poll last year. He, he, he demurred from the totality of the report. Barnaby, he demurred from the totality of the report. It's just not right, I'm afraid. There was a salvation poll last year that found that most people in Britain think that about a third of Labour Party members have been disciplined for anti-Semitism. The real figure is about 0.3%. It's clear that while we have a prime minister in this country who wrote a novel about Sammy Katz, a cunning businessman with a proud nose and curly hair, there has been a political agenda to focus entirely on anti-Semitism on the left in a deeply racist country with anti-Semitism overflowing across British society. And to point that out is simply a reasonable thing but, to say. But the EHRC, Steve Richards, the ERCHC found failings. There is no doubt it found failings. The EHRC found two people with legally actionable cases, one of what? which, one of whom the councillor I've never heard of. That does, not mean, right that, that, that does not mean he doesn't exist. That does not mean he doesn't exist. It doesn't. But the EHRC found two people in a party of hundreds of thousands. I think anti-Semitism is unacceptable. I've been speaking about it for years. You just had on on your programme as a credible commentator on bigotry, Margaret Hodge, who was sent flowers by the BNP for saying migrants should go to the back of the queue for okay, housing. Let, let, let me just turn to Steve Richards. When it comes to discussions of bigotry in this country. But Barnaby Rain said, I really resent, I think he put it in stronger terms than that, but he said that he <laughs> resented being used Used as a political weapon, a battering ram against the one leader in his lifetime who wanted to teach children about colonialism, put yeah. roofs over the homeless's heads and properly fund the NHS. It is a very real thing, is it not, Barry? Day in, day out. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, uh, the evidence is extremely clear that anti-Semitism is on the rise across the world, including in Britain, across the political spectrum. For the first time in my life, we had a party leader, though, in Jeremy Corbyn, who thought it was simply and obviously unacceptable that some families starve in poverty in a wealthy country like Britain. So, uh, a man who has been on the side of freedom from Chile to South Africa to Palestine, and his name was dragged through the mud. But the most disgraceful thing about it was that you used the whole political class, used me, you used Jews, as your factional battering ram to destroy a man who wanted to educate children about the crimes of empire and then give them jobs and fund the NHS. That is unimaginably it, tragic. And I say that as someone who faces anti-Semitism, who fights anti-Semitism, the attempt to use it as a cynical, the attempt to turn Jews into a political plaything. I think the EHCR report is an... It's, 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 it's... 
that's that's what he said and he had also a beautiful explanation that frankly has been sorely lacking from leading figures on the left of what corbyn's internationalist socialist anti-imperialist beliefs are actually all about how corbyn developed his views traveling around latin america he went to jamaica where michael manley had recently been elected and you know supported the michael manley program over there then he went to chile Mm. where salvador allende had recently been elected only three years later of course allende would be brutally (laughs) deposed by fascists and barnaby rain i think expertly linked Corbyn's support for Palestinian human rights into an overall worldview. And this is what's a a tragedy. We didn't think we could explain this. I mean, I I tried. (laughs) I I always said we need to properly tell people what Corbyn actually believes. But when you're up against every newspaper in the country, every TV channel in the country, What are you going to do? But yeah, there's so much disinformation and Labour under Corbyn and the left were so weak in explaining what a true anti-racist, anti-imperialist internationalism looks like and rebutting the idea that supporting people in developing countries and against repressive regimes is just being a terrorist sympathiser or some reductive nonsense like that. And that's why when I brought up the tunisian reef scandal earlier (laughs) like that that that's the real tragedy there you know the fact that it was turned into this reductive thing of corbyn memorialized terrorists there is no fitting memorial terrorists it's black and white there is no gray you're either wholly good or wholly bad really a tragedy that's that's what i think basically that this debate has been this whole i i don't even know to call it a debate it does it justice but this whole uh, labor anti-semitism thing has been just a tragedy it's been a, a tragedy for the left a tragedy for palestinians a tragedy for jewish people it's set a community against a massive political grouping in the most irresponsible and inflammatory way yeah and i I think in order to call it a a labor anti-semitism debate there has to have been someone on the other side but (laughs) nobody was arguing that anti-semitism wasn't a problem in the labor party just that it wasn't the huge issue that it was being made out to be exaggerated jeremy corbyn came out many times strongly against anti-semitism people in his Mm. cabinet came out many times against it nobody was saying that we should support anti-semitism in the labor party Uh, no at least nobody apart from some people on the very fringes and that's the issue really with the idea that you know even certain people on the left are arguing that Basically, Corbyn said the right thing at the wrong time. You know, I don't think a good time would ever arise where you're not going (laughs) to get shit for saying that the idea that Corbyn represented an existential threat to Jewish life, who was the most extreme racist figurehead since Enoch Powell, uh, (laughs) and was going to set up concentration camps and do pogroms, was legitimate. Or even illegitimate. That's what I meant to say, but both actually apply. To think that we're actually better off. And here I actually meant to say worse off. So I completely butchered the entire meaning of this whole bit. For him rebutting this idea, it is, I think, just not true. I mean, the idea that he said the truth, but he... I think Angela Rayner, Labour's deputy leader, said what he said was true, but completely unacceptable. <laughs> and... <laughs> Who does it help to sow fear in a community and division between a, a community and a political group? Yeah. 
Well, I guess it helps the establishment, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, they've, they've benefited. And of course, the Tories were the major beneficiaries of Starmer's decision to yeah. suspend Corbyn. I guess just as, as a proud Jewish person who's on the left, how, how do you feel about the way that the Jewish community and the left have been kind of set up as these opposing contradictory forces the last few years. Just that it's uh, we're being used as a political tool rather than giving us concrete reasons not to vote for the Labour Party. They seem to be sowing an air of mistrust, uh, of paranoia, I would say, fear. And that can as Jewish people, we've long had to be kind of paranoid of the establishment, kind of scared because we've been moved along and killed so many times throughout history. But giving this vague, almost nondescript target for fear distracts from the very real anti-Semitic problems in the world, like fucking synagogues getting shot up in the U.S. and things like that. This is anecdotal, but I feel it's related and worth mentioning that my parents and all of my siblings, including my adult siblings, are currently living in the U.K. Some of them have been there for a few years, so it's not new. But yeah, my parents recently moved, so clearly at least some Jewish people feel that the UK is a much safer place to be than the US, for example. And I should also point out that my parents, uh, obviously Corbyn is not really a candidate now, but my parents did consistently support Corbyn the whole time that he was. You know. Really? That's quite interesting. Cause you, yeah, they're not the most woke people necessarily. He's somewhere center-left. Like, yeah, he's got some regressive views for sure, but he's not too bad on many issues like LGBT rights and stuff like that. Like, he's not transphobic. I wouldn't say that. And yeah, one of those issues happens to be Jeremy Corbyn. And they've always felt that the anti-Semitism thing, like you were kind of saying, Jewish people in America, they weren't getting it. <laughs> My parents were not getting it either. There seems to be, in terms of Americans perceiving this, I think maybe a lot of Americans who like a more sort of liberal will just see like Corbyn embroiled in anti-Semitism and just think well there's no smoke without fire you know yeah <laughs> that, that's why it's been it's been reassuring to see figures of the international left Evo Morales Rafael Correa Pablo Iglesias Yanis Varoufakis <laughs> come out yeah. in Corbyn's defense and again that's why I wanted to hear your take on it because you're not as influenced by the British media, but at the same time, you haven't just kind of absorbed the official line, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, this is the thing, you know, since Corbyn was suspended the other day, my mind, I'm going to put this rather than what me and Geraint recorded out as our immediate, as our quick response, by the way, because I think you're, you know, I think actually coming out with, with a Jewish person's perspective uh, is... That's probably helpful, yeah. ...constructive, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, but then I'll put out me and Geraint's, which is obviously, you know, we both get into, like, the nerdy, nitty-gritty details of the I whole bet. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That will come out. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I've, I've just... See, this is what I'm saying. My mind has just been, like, racing over the last few days and it's not always been congruent with my ability to articulate my thoughts due to a combination of (laughs) depression (laughs) uh, (laughs) relatable deprivation yeah Yeah, so i so i i've I've had times where i've just been bursting with just like fuck i can't i can't 
be calm. Last night it took me till about 4am, several zoots and loads of Tom Petty records to wind down a bit. By the way, we're gonna segue into this episode with Tom Petty's song I Won't Back Down, which I feel, <laughs> which fits my mood at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know when I, when I had Mac- Manic Energy the other night, I spent several hours writing extensive notes trying to figure out if the queen's gambit was horribly offensive or not <laughs> yeah sorry we haven't really got any uh, any f- film chat in you know but i envy you for spending the last couple of days thinking about how some series is shite rather than thinking about <laughs> how there's a travesty going on in great british politics it's how i escape yeah <laughs> though i said great british politics if a great Shitty has british. never been less appropriate yeah. <laughs> Shitty british. Uh, (laughs) yeah 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 let's read another tweet from stan cross here the mainstream left just immediately accepting the effect of expulsion of the politician who singularly advanced their cause the most in the last 40 years with a resigned sigh a (laughs) half-hearted shrug and a resolve to just get on with things you have to laugh have to say if i was starmer i'd be laughing my head off he's totally called their bluff given their most influential figure the boot and they've responded by dot 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 doing absolutely fuck all would he bargain with them <laughs> over anything sorry why would he bargain with them over anything when they forfeited all leverage and i just like to say like i credit ian lavery for giving a hilarious briefing to the guardian that certain unnamed mps <laughs> are considering quitting the party certain un- uh, unnamed MPs who definitely aren't Ian Lavery so I, mean, <laughs> I thought that was probably the most ballsy anti-Starmer attack well since Unite the union of which I am a member announced that they were withdrawing a certain level of funding from the Labour Party Pablo Iglesias just put out a strong statement in support of Corbyn Uh, You don't don't hear Owen Jones bigging up his party Podemos very much these days. Uh, (laughs) Possibly taken slightly different political directions there. Oh, and I'd like to announce to listeners as well that we'll be having Dan Finn on the show, who I think is one of the most articulate and robust voices on Keir Starmer's war against the Labour left and against socialism in general. So I really look forward to talking to Dan about some of the stuff we've covered today and far more. And I recommend that, although sadly Michael Brooks is no longer with us, the Michael Brooks show continues. And I would highly (laughs) recommend people go and watch Dan's appearance the other day on the Michael Brooks show so I will be messaging Dan this is a reminder to self message Dan about organizing a recording because he said he's up for it when I get off this call (laughs) great yeah I should probably start getting stoned and maybe I'll be relaxed in about five (laughs) hours (laughs) yeah yeah well I have to say Owen throwing that late spanner in the work has uh, slightly damaged my relaxation but it's been it's been good and cathartic to talk to you about this honestly yeah, it's good to talk to a comrade about comradely things. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've mostly kept it comradely here today. Yeah. Well, apart from to Owen Jones, but <laughs> to, to most people, I think we've been pretty comradely. So, yeah, that's good. I, I think we should, we should end by just reiterating our unconditional solidarity to Jeremy Corbyn. Anti-Semitism is one of the great evils of the world but Jeremy Corbyn is not an anti-Semite. He's one of the most passionate campaigners for social justice and he was right to point out that the inflammatory and wrong 
accusations of the level of anti-Semitism in the movement of which we were all parts is damaging and should be rebutted. Uh, Sorry, he was right to point out that the safety of the Jewish community improves from that being rebutted. So, yeah, I'll hand over to you for a final statement of solidarity with JC. Ultimately, yeah, I don't think I could have summed it up better than to say that anti-Semitism is a real horrible problem, but Corbyn isn't an anti-Semite, as you put it. Yeah, if we believed he was... Call a spade a spade. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if if I thought Corbyn was an anti-Semite, I wouldn't have voted for him twice. Was it twice? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, When when people say, how can you support this man? He's an anti-Semite. Well, I just don't think he is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly <laughs> basically yeah and you know we're not and we supported him and the majority of the left movement are not and supported him you know approximately 99.7 percent and that's why Cor- <laughs> yeah yes corbyn was right to stick up for the majority of the people who supported him in his statement because those people the vast majority the vast vast majority the overwhelming majority just wanted a better world and a more equal society and that is the struggle that continues, comrades. You bet. Yeah. Thanks right, for man, listening, think, everyone. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Solidarity with Jewish comrades as well, who I'm sure this has been a very difficult time for. And yeah, reinstate Corbyn and uh, and, and, and fuck this sham of a Labour leadership. <laughs> fuck them all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that we're politicising this or anything. They already fucking did that. I mean, yeah, I, I, would, I guess I would argue that, yeah, nationalism in the context of liberation movements is uh, not necessarily a great thing, but it's an understandable thing. Yeah, and like a lot of the time, like in Africa, a lot of it is rooted in black pride as well, and like yeah. you know, stuff that's not that's not reactionary. Like, yeah, obviously, black pride good, white pride yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I um, unfortunately I I didn't get all of my like uh, complaining about my dad's reaction reviews on Africa on tape. There, I only started recording towards the end of that, but um, <laughs> but still. So yeah, I guess like yesterday I was really dead tired and like could barely fucking like my mind was racing, but I could like barely string a articulate thought together. Like there wasn't there weren't coming out my mouth. Uh, so I, I I just kind of um, yeah. So me and Geraint did a long recording where I was like losing my train of thought constantly, and well, so was he actually. So at least at least I well, I wasn't alone in that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess today I've been firing on all cylinders, and I had I had a zoop. And uh, yeah, I still feel good to go. Yeah, all right. So, uh, <laughs> what the fuck? It's just like uh, Owen Jones being an asshole. What was what was going on with him? Oh man! Because like, all I've gotten so far is that he's being disingenuous and shit. Yeah, like so. Basically, his response to Corbyn has just been like weak as fuck. His response to the suspension has just been basically like. Oh, this is terrible for unspecified reasons, but it's not, like, wrong or anything. It's just misguided <laughs> by Starmer. How can something be bad but not wrong? That's weird. <laughs> Sorry, I just, just basically firing out a quick reply here. Yeah, I figured just, something Just basically like that. saying, 
you're right about something, clearly there is no point engaging in this particular debate. Thought as much and deeply regret even bothering. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that, <that's> <laughs> Withdrawal, yeah. <laughs> right. There was this tweet that was just like, John McDonnell and fucking hell. He retweeted this thing which says, John Landsman and McDonnell are two figures that help create the only leftist project that has ever nearly won for decades. So anyone immediately discounting their thoughts now is being naive. And it's like, well, I don't see anybody immediately discounting these people's thoughts, but Owen Jones just published a book that is relentlessly, from start to finish, critical of Corbyn, critical of his director of communication, Seamus Milne, and his chief of staff, Kerry Murphy, and fucking adulatory about John McDonnell, about Owen's close friend, Corbyn's director of policy, Andrew Fisher. He disingenuinely describes this shitty cowardly uncomradely book as operation salvage but it's about salvaging his reputation and those of his mates and just kind of shunting the responsibility for the failure of corbynism off onto the people who he's been nursing gripes about for the last five years so um right (laughs) i could see why that would get you kind of boiling retweeted that and i made the point that like this tweet is effectively is disingenuously saying that good faith criticism of the leadership of the left is people immediately discounting their thoughts. Whereas in the case of John McDonnell especially, and personally I've been a lot more critical of McDonnell, who is not Jewish, than John Landsman, who is, and I think is entitled to have his views on the anti-Semitism issue. Sure. We have been able to witness for two, three years, John McDonnell pursuing a conscious strategy of conciliation with the labour right, with the media, with the people who want to abject absolutely and thoroughly destroy the left, and that this has not worked. So I'm not immediately discounting John McDonnell's views on anything. I'm taking them in, considering them, and determining that they are precisely the same failed strategy that has done the left no justice over the past two years. And it looks like John McDonnell himself is actually more circumspect about his own strategic calls than Owen Jones's because somebody did a tweet earlier, our friends at the Trashies, did a tweet saying, you know, we're sick of this John McDonnell was the brains of the operation. Corbyn was, uh, the, you know, just an incompetent, doddering old fool. When <laughs> Corbyn has stuck by his principles more than anyone, while John McDonnell did things like a cringeworthy interview with war criminal Alistair Campbell, where he sat down and disgracefully backtracked on his previous views by saying that Tony Blair is not a war criminal. Something that surely is a real moral question. You can't just decide that a war crime is not a war crime or its culprit is not its culprit for electoral benefit overnight. And as Trash has pointed out, that was to no electoral benefit. Labour did not gain anything from these concessions. And McDonnell, clearly name-searching, replied to this tweet saying, yes, I agree. So I don't know if he was just joking, being self-effacing there. But yeah, I'd like to think that McDonnell doesn't think he himself is above criticism. And yeah, when Owen Jones has just written this tract against many of the leading figures of Corbynism, that is just relentlessly, uncomradely gossipy bean spilling uh, you know i think he's got some fucking gall you know and he can barely even muster a defense of jeremy corbyn to start fucking saying that people like john mcdonald are uh, 
beyond criticism. And a final point on this, since we're recording and I'm going off, even though I, I, I was ostensibly just trying to explain the conflict to you, but I supported John Landsman for Labour Deputy Leader, which was quite a marginal position. Not many people did. All the energy went... Sorry, Labour General Secretary, like the most senior bureaucratic role in the party, which I think is... Right. Yeah, I think the NEC, the ruling committee, vote on it. So it's not like something you get a vote on. But, you know, I supported Landsman because I saw him as the person most committed to party democracy not jenny formby who had all the energy behind her like she was literally endorsed by corbyn that's one of the few times that i i've gone against corbyn and not in, a, <laughs> in an uncomradely way i'd like to think during his leadership but i supported john because as i said in the very tweet that owen jones thought was such evidence of disrespect for landsman that landsman is a giant of the left I, I have right. close friends who have known Landsman personally and intimately for years, to whom he has been a mentor and a hero, who also think that his response to the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn has been weak. This is not about disliking John Landsman, who I have probably defended against anti-Semitism more than any other individual in, in the Labour Party, uh, including Yair. <laughs> you know, and voted for the NEC, I, I believe, multiple times. So this is just immediately uh, derailing a conversation about the wisdom or lack thereof of some of the left's most senior figures by making it about views that the people making the criticisms don't even hold. That was Owen Jones's approach. He didn't respond to me directly until literally just now which was when we were already recording so i had to give him a dismissive message saying i wasn't going to bother to engage in the debate anymore <laughs> <laughs> there was a pragmatic reason for that yeah that does sound kind of disingenuous to say the least yeah exactly and yeah he's just come straight in just saying how dare you impugn the wisdom of john mcdonald and john landsman and then uh, when people are saying John and John are both titans of the movement, echoing what I said about them being giants of the left, uh, yeah. but you can like disagree with them in a comradely fashion. And Owen is just going on about John Landsman has been like hounded out of the left by all this anti-Semitic abuse. And like I say, it is true that John Landsman receives an appalling amount of anti-Semitic abuse. And I've said so over and over again and condemned right, it in yeah. the strongest terms. That's not what ha what's happening in that thread. Even the crankier responses in my thread were more fuck's sake these people are melts rather than, you know, anything like John Landsman is destroying Corbynism, pulling the strings. So <laughs> it just feels like Owen trying to strong arm his way into victory in this argument because it involved criticising figures that he's close to and thinks are basically unimpeachable. I think it's sad what's happened to Owen Jones since the end of Corbynism. He could have written, I'm sure Verso, the left-wing publishers, did not demand a book from him that was scathingly critical of Corbynism. He could have written something that was a defence of the movement that actually had some grounding in the movement and outside the leader's office. But no, he just wanted to settle long-held scores that he's had with his former colleague Seamus Milne, who along with the rest of Corbyn's office, Owens just spent the last five years resenting when you know, he was explicitly offered an advisory job and didn't take it because they weren't just magic 
basically doing the things that he would have advised them to do had he taken that job. And um, <laughs> I just think he's a classic example of what happens when you've got one foot in the left and one foot in the media, which is that the people in the media pick up that foot and just start dragging you into their corner. Um, yeah, they're you know, the ones writing the paychecks. I mean, on the paycheck point, it's pretty rich taking lectures on moral authority from the journalist with the level of dishonesty that they erase their employer from a narrative of which they were a significant actor simply to protect their own paycheck. Peter O'Born provided an example of principal journalistic conduct when he left the Daily Telegraph because they were refusing to report on stories that pertained to the Telegraph's advertisers. Now, Owen Jones has basically refused to report on a story. The Guardian's significant role in alienating a substantial amount of potential Corbyn supporters because it pertains to his advertisers. No socialist should feel as compelled to prostrate themselves before the abject moral abyss of, uh, you know, say, Owen's colleagues at The Guardian, who he does not criticise once in his book, despite that being one of the key engines of the anti-Corbyn campaign. When they do feel compelled to do this kind of prostration, when they can't muster a defence of Jeremy Corbyn, then, yeah, you, you have to say that at this point, I think, like, someone like Owen Jones has basically been co-opted by the British media ecosystem. He represents just as left as you're allowed to go. You can support good public services, but if you think that Labour shouldn't have included the two examples in the EHRC definition that explicitly infringe on Palestinian rights, then, oh no, no, you can't. <laughs> Your opinion <laughs> right. is discounted. It's all, yeah, again, you can support a well-funded NHS, that's okay, uh, sort of. I mean, not, not that okay in the British media. <laughs> but you're not allowed to say to the press lobby that, sometimes the British intelligence services have misled the public. That, yeah. That's what happened. That's what happens when, when, you know, a left journo becomes more journo than left, unfortunately. It's like there's this differentiation between the establishment and Tories, and it's like okay to go against the Tories, but it's not okay to challenge the establishment as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Owen Jones literally wrote a book called The Establishment, so his timidity towards the Starmer leadership has been quite incredible to behold. Like, this is you know, <laughs> a, a knight of the realm, a QC, who spent five years putting poor people and minorities in prison as director of public prosecutions, who ran all-night courts mm. to uh, jail people who, like, smashed a shop window in the riots in 2011. Yeah. This, this is a man who is as establishment as they come, and when it comes to how he conducts himself in the Labour Party, has always been on the side of the right within his own constituency party, supported Owen Smith, the leader, pushed Labour into the disastrous second referendum policy. I mean, literally, how much more establishment can you get? And um, yeah. And frankly, you know, while Owen Jones is eviscerating Corbyn's shortcomings in his book, his columns are going out with occasionally a criticism of Labour's timidity. But he'll never say why it's happening, which is clearly that Labour has been overtaken by a right-wing ideological project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of join the dots with Keir Starmer. He sacks all the left-wingers. One left-winger is left, Rebecca Long-Bailey. He comes up with some completely trumped-up pretense to sack her. He 
whips MPs not to vote against one bill that would enable British personnel to commit crimes abroad and not face prosecution, and another one that would allow British state actors to commit crimes domestically and not face prosecution, and then sacks the MPs who do vote against this, then leads a politically motivated suspension of his left-wing predecessor from the party. What... Yeah. <laughs> can, can you not join the dots here and see what's happening? This is not nice, safe social democracy. This is Labour in name only, which, to be honest, is what the party has been for most of its history. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, this is this is a return to the big, bad Blair years. People can say, like, Starmer's not a Blairite, but have you heard a word of criticism of him from anyone, you know? Like, <laughs> someone can say, OK, Alistair Campbell slagged him off on Twitter once but that was when he was being really weak do any of the fucking iraq war criminals seem unhappy with keir starmer no they don't but i don't know maybe it would endanger someone's employment at the guardian if they pointed out that keir starmer is clearly pursuing certain ideological goals that are about as far from the left as you can get yeah here here Yeah, it's a it's a subject that ignites the passions. I say in my usual monotone. Yeah, yeah, yeah not impassioned at all. Way, yeah, uh, yeah. I got distracted as well because I asked you that. Then I see that fucking that Owen Jones is just replying again. Uh, to he replied very belatedly to this tweet after saying, "Good, I won't engage with you anymore." I think the most senior Jewish Labour leftist in Britain who has been hounded out of frontline left-wing politics by left-wing anti-Semitism should uniquely be listened to on issues of left-wing anti-Semitism and if you don't understand why, you have no moral authority to comment. He already said, oh good, I'm not going to engage Yeah, with you. yeah. And then Actually. like two, hour, two hours later just steamed in to reply to this like hours old comment with just this disingenuous crap. Like really <laughs> right. just like... Just like a complete fucking charlatan. Like, yeah. <laughs> more journo than left. He is partaking in exactly the same kind of disingenuous weaponization of anti-Semitism to factional fight that, you know, the worst people on both the right and, you know, elements of the left have done. Yeah. Like, I really, I really think he's a disgrace. Wild, wild. Well, anyway, my, luckily, my friend who I mentioned in the tweet to Owen, who is a close friend of John Landsman, I mentioned him in the tweet saying, you know, a good friend considers Landsman a hero and a mentor and still thinks he's been weak on this. His comradely criticism of the left's leadership allowed or only if it's Corbyn or Seamus Milne. And Owen replied saying this thing about you don't have any moral authority. So I'm sure that the friend I'm talking about, who's a close personal friend of John Landsman, who stuck up for him time and time again over the years will be grateful to know that he has no moral authority. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, again, he is just trying to bludgeon his way to victory in the organization. Just what, yeah, what, what an asshole, honestly. Like what, <laughs> I said the organization, I meant the conversation, but I'm slightly flustered. <laughs> to, be, to be honest <laughs> understandably so yeah i can't I, I can't be bothered to reply to that 
<laughs> appreciate comrade tom for saying he's a dickhead fuck him thank, <laughs> thank you and to someone else for saying i think he's drunk <laughs> yeah wine o'clock and at jones towers uh, <laughs> and someone else is saying they're having to restrain themselves from looking because they know they'll get so angry at him so uh... <laughs> that's a move It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.